Praise the Lord. How you guys doing this morning? Doing good? Yeah. It's so good to see all of you. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it sometimes throws me off a little bit uh, being called G. There, there's so many of us, or there used to be so many staff members that uh, remembering everybody's names become a little tedious. And those of you who don't know me, my name, my first name is Grant Ross, last name is McGregor, it's a mouthful. And uh, sometimes I get a little bitter because, or at least I was in high school, because my name fit on nothing, especially the little bubble in tests that we had to do. Never fit on anything. So coming here, you know, one of the tricks that I learned as a preacher's kid is I was bad with names, but good with faces. So it's a blessing growing up as a preacher's kid because it's always, hey, brother, hey, sister, hey, you, you know, that kind of thing. So we avoid names. So... Um, but here I am G, so <laughs> sometimes we confuse that with D, uh, that, that would be Darren. And, um, but anyways, it's, it's great to be here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we thank you for all that you've done. God, I thank you for your presence that has been here from before we even showed up to open the doors and turn on the lights. You were here because you're faithful. And so we just honor you with everything that we do this morning, Holy Spirit. And I ask that you would just have your way. You've already been having your way. And I ask that you would continue to do it, Lord, through the speaking. If, if, if your desire is to move me out of the way so you can do what you want to do, I, I yield myself completely to whatever you want to do. God, we throw our agendas away and we make room for your agenda. Your word says that we make all of our plans and you, you think it's cute and you chuckle at them. And so we give our ways over to your ways, which are higher than ours. And our thoughts, we make way for your thoughts because they're so much higher than ours as well. So I ask that this morning the word wouldn't just be a challenge, that it wouldn't be something that we go home and forget about, that it would, that it would mean something. They would be your words. Your words are spirit and they are life and they transform everywhere they go. And I ask this morning that we would hear your voice above a personality, above jokes, above anything else that I do to try and stave off nerves or whatever might be going on in my personal life. I ask that your voice would be heard this morning. And I honor you in Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. If you love the Lord, can you say amen? Amen. amen. Well, God bless you. How many of y'all just love this worship team? Aren't they incredible? Incredible. Hats off. I was... Uh, we have a little group chat going on for all of us to stay in, uh, in, in touch and in the know with everybody. And I, was, uh, I put in there during the last song, oh my goodness, that I, I was actually raptured to heaven, but I had to come back down to speak. So <laughs> I, I love everything about this church. It's been, uh, it's been my church home for many, many years. And uh, it's such an honor for me to stand here and share with you this morning. Pastor Clay and Ms. Tawana are just across town in Nashville visiting with some of our friends, and uh, so they're having a good time as well. And uh, again, I'm so honored that they would allow me, that would trust me to speak on a Sunday morning to you because usually I'm speaking to either youth or young adults. I'm a youth and young, young adults pastor. And uh, God, usually you guys make a really big racket for me. <laughs> There they are. <laughs> and so a lot of times what I say and what I do could not, it, it's sometimes not as polished. I get to use certain vernacular with the youth and the young adults that um, 
may not be suitable for everybody else, but this morning I'm going to do what I do every time that I get to speak, and is I'm going to speak from my heart. And um, so one of the core scriptures of this church, it's in the name of this church. I, I remember having a conversation with Pastor Clay, and I, I can take you to the very spot we were. We were walking up this driveway when it was still gravel, and uh, there was a construction trailer to the left and to the right, and we were just talking, and we were talking about the name Three Oaks Church, and we, we have two oaks on the property, and we were just having the discussion, and uh, we, you know, in the conversation, we referenced, it wasn't anything official at the time, but we referenced, we, we both came to the place of Isaiah chapter 61, and you guys have been hearing a lot about Isaiah 61 over the last little bit, but I'd like to read that for us if we can. I'm going to read out of the King James, Isaiah 61. For me, if you don't know, this is what I call, I call Isaiah chapter 61 the job description of the church. Now, I didn't say the job description of your pastors. It is the job description of the church. And so... Isaiah 61. It says here, I'm reading out of King James because apparently that is what Jesus carried. <laughs> Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now, if you like to read different versions, the English Standard Version, the ESV, says it doesn't say trees of righteousness, it actually says oaks of righteousness. And I don't think that it is uh, just by mistake that the translator put oaks of righteousness in there, as we've been hearing so much about the importance and the parallels between oaks and, and, and the Christian walk and growing into a mature, strong, grounded, rooted believer. There's something very special about the oak. And so here's a rather large job description here, and there's a lot of work for us to do. See, the, the, the word didn't say the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon angels or upon pastors or teachers or preachers to do all of this that is described here. It says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And so there is, there is a bit of ownership that has to be taken here. You know, us as a generation, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 38 years old and I wear it proudly. I'm fine with it, you know, no big deal. But I was born in 1981 and different studies that you read, I'm actually considered a millennial. So I can speak for us, but I will say that another study that I read said that we're kind of one of the really cool ones because we remember a time before the internet. How many of y'all can raise your hand and say you remember that? We remember a time before cell phones. I remember a time, I know many of you do as well, before personal computers in your house. I remember a time where my, my dad bought my mom a car. It was um, a white two-door Oldsmobile Toronado. 
great car, and my mom picked me up, and, and I was very excited to be picked up in this particular car from high school because previously, like I mentioned, I was a preacher's kid, or I am a preacher's kid, and I, <laughs> my parents would pick me up from high school in a church van with stained glass windows. <laughs> stained glass windows on the church van. Let me tell you that I didn't stay out of trouble because it was my choice. I never got invited to things. And I, <laughs> I mean, could you imagine, this actually happened. I snuck out of the house with my two older brothers once. The only vehicle that we could run away with was the church van. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that church van with stained glass windows pulling up to your party. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's just not very popular. <laughs> and so I remember mom picked me up in this white uh, Toronado. And it, <laughs> it had, oh my goodness, I, I felt like, um, I forget the, the actor's name, but from Wall Street. I felt like Kirk Douglas from Wall Street because it had the old phone with the cord in the car. And mom picked me up and then, you know, all, the, all, of, all of the people that I was trying to impress were still at the front of the school. And I, I, the phone wasn't even connected, but I pulled it up real quick, cord hanging, you know, pretending like I was on a phone call. How many of y'all had those phones in your cars? <laughs> that was a day. These guys over here don't have a clue what we're talking about. Oh my gosh. And so... As, as a millennial, as somebody that I feel like I can relate with many, you know, with several different generations, those of you who don't know, I was born in the country of South Africa. And South Africa for a long time was probably about 20, uh, roughly 20 years behind the United States. Uh, my parents tell me that they didn't get color TV in the country till about the 70s. You guys had had that since way, way before. You know, um, I remember sitting in the living room watching Nelson Mandela being released from, from prison. I remember sitting on the floor in South Africa and watching that. Uh, I, I remember watching the fall of apartheid and, and that, that evil thing coming down. I remember a time, you know, me as a 38-year-old, I remember a time in South Africa when 8 o'clock would hit and all TV stations would go blank. You'd have those little color stripes. They'd play the national anthem. The news anchor would say, good night, we'll see you in the morning. See, that's kind of the era that I grew up in. And it's a little weird for somebody as young as me to have lived in a time like that. Just to relate to some of you guys, you know, we, we didn't have uh, Saturday morning cartoons, stuff like that. We, had, we actually grew up playing outside on our bicycles, climbing trees. My mom taught me how to roll that top. You remember that spin top that you would wrap a string around and you'd tie the end around your finger and you'd fling it and just watch it roll and you'd do that for hours? These are the things that I can relate to you about. But then at the same time, I can relate to the, the millennials where we've got everything at our fingertips whenever we want it. We've got options. Who knew that we would come to a place? My, my bank account got hacked the other day. And um, anyways, it was from something called Uber Eats. And I called my bank. I was like, what is Uber Eats? They're like, oh, it's this, this new, apparently it's not that new. It just shows how far behind, behind I am. Is now you can get delivery from anywhere, from anybody. You want Panera? Call Uber Eats. They'll deliver it to you. 
And everything is available to us literally from our couch. Entertainment. Some of you guys, if you, if you, if you get certain, you know, uh, technologies or fire sticks or whatnot, you can jailbreak it and you can watch movies that are just now out on, on, in the theaters. You can do stuff like that. And all these things are available literally almost at the speed of thought. You think about it, you can have it. But one thing that we don't have that our generations don't know about is personal responsibility. We live in a time, and now it's not just the young folks, but it's the older folks alike, that we feel like we deserve something, that somebody owes us something. That's why, you know, and I'm not going to get on a political rant, but that's why we're in the problem that we're in. Because if we followed biblical principles, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. And let me tell you that a hungry stomach will teach you a whole lot of lessons. My dad always told me, he says, $5 is a lot of money if you don't have it. Go to the gas station, go $5 over, you're in trouble, especially if you don't have that money. And so having a broke account and no food to eat will teach you a whole lot of lessons that other things will not teach you. You have to get up, you have to take personal responsibility, and you have to make stuff happen. This is what Isaiah chapter 61 is referring to. It, is, it says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed, in other words, he has empowered you, he has enabled you, he has given us his Holy Spirit to do what? To preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captains, captives, and the opening of prison to them that are bound. So here's the thing. One of my favorite portions of scripture, and I've gone to it for probably about six years now, is uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because we live according to the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, not according to you know, the law of sin and death. And then he goes on, it's, it's one of the most amazing chapters uh, that, that Paul has written, in my opinion. You know, it has in there what can separate us from the love of God, neither height, depth, angels, demons, nothing, no situation can separate us from the love of God. But it also says that all creation, all of creation waits and groans for the sons and the daughters of God to realize that they are sons and daughters. Creation waits and groans for you to realize who you are, for me to take responsibility of what has been entrusted me, and to do something about it. I, I, just about three years ago, I came across some old tapes of my grandfather preaching, and something he said in there, and I've heard it for many times, and he said, Jesus did not save you to sit But you are saved to serve. Saved to serve, not saved to sit. And so there is a personal responsibility that we have. That if people around us are addicted, if there are people around us that are bound, what are you doing about it? The onus is on me and the onus is upon you to do something about it. 
so he goes all through here, and it's a beautiful portion of Scripture, and it preaches real well, and it reads beautifully. Like, I, I, I love this, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint to them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. See, here, here, here's a little parallel here, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To me, that is a picture of the church, people that are mourning in Zion. See, there are people in this house here, I refer to it a lot whenever I have the opportunity to speak out of John chapter 5, Jesus at the pool of Bethesda. Bethesda is another word for house of bread. It's a picture of the house of God, a place having several porches around it. And it's a beautiful place, but it is surrounded with sick people. This is the same picture for me here in Isaiah 61, to point to them that mourn in Zion. There are sick and hurting people right here in this place. But there's a problem is many of us, we don't have discernment enough to realize that our neighbor is dealing with suicidal thoughts. And so we come to church and we put on our best jacket and we put on our smile that we've been trained to put on and, 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 and we have the surface level Christianity. What I like to call it is Instagram Christianity because lately everybody likes to post all the coolest quotes from Stephen Furtick or from John Gray or from whoever your favorite preacher is, but that's as deep as it goes. There was a people, there, there, there was a group, there, there were seven preacher's kids. Their daddy was a high priest. His name was Skeva. Y'all know where I'm going? Skeva's seven sons, they grew up in the church. They knew the words to say. They knew this and that, and they knew to sprinkle the water, and they encountered a demon-possessed man. They said, hey, let's do what daddy did. And they said the words, but the demoniac jumped up, stripped them naked, beat them up, and chased them down the road because words do not matter. What matters is do you know him? It's not about, ooh, I'm about to throw a Christian cliche at you. It's not about the words you know, but it is, do you know the word? And so the devil doesn't care how many cool quotes you put on your Instagram. He doesn't care how many times you share the latest worship album. He could care less. But what we have to do, and I'm so way off topic, oh my goodness, talking about acorns, talking about, talking about where we are as a church, one thing that we do have to do is we have to remember our roots. Roots are important. What are the roots of this church? The roots of this church are steeped in the supernatural. This place is a place where supernatural things happen all the time, all the time. I remember picking up the DVD of, of the late pastor, uh, Dr. Reverend Paul Baggett, the fa one of the fathers of this house. And I remember watching, watching as, he, as he recalled being in Kingsport, Tennessee, you heard Pastor Clay mention it last, uh, last week, that they had a church over in Kingsport. But it was, it was one of the places that, that, was, that was popular for killing preachers or for starving preachers out. They didn't want to have a preacher, but the Assemblies of God sent Pastor Paul there. And so he had to paint houses, he had to do all of this stuff and survive on less than $20 a week with a large family. And see, it's funny that nobody really wants to pray, nobody wants a man of God until they encounter trouble. And one of the mothers of the area had died. And now all of a sudden, everybody's knocking on the preacher's door, hey preacher, we need you to pray. Preacher, we need you to pray. So Pastor Paul goes over there, and he's terrified. He is terrified of dead people. And they stick him in the room with his dead body. 
And you've got to hear the story. It's fantastic. It's great. Because he's there praying and he's like, he's praying more for himself than he is for the body because he's terrified. And he's so scared that he doesn't want to look at the body, so he turns his back to the body and he sticks his head in the corner and he's praying to the wall, God, Lord Jesus, everything. Oh, Father God, I'm sure he fathered God a hundred times. Please help me, get me out of this mess. And all of a sudden he hears three sneezes come from behind him and he's ready to bust a hole through the wall. And he turns around and grandma's sitting up on the side of the bed telling him that she heard him praying to Jesus and Jesus sent her back. Y'all have heard Pastor Clay talk about the story about when him and his daddy were, were praying for people in, in the altars and, and Pastor Clay had to pray for the, the blind lady. Guess what? I was standing right over here in Millersville. I was a part of the worship team and I was ba singing back up with my cousin Andrew and I watched as Pastor Clay prayed for that little old lady. I watched him walk across this way and then I watched him turn around with conviction and he walked back and laid hands on that little lady right over here if we were in Millersville and I watched her start to blink, blink rapidly and she, she, she did her hands like this and she started to freak out because calluses had fallen off in her hands. This place is steeped in the supernatural. And so you have got to know your roots. You've got to know your root system. I know what my root system is. My root system is steeped in the supernatural. And I can tell you story after story after story of the things that I have personally encountered. But when you know the roots of, 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 of where you are at the moment, there is something that is called equity. You have equity in the spirit realm that you get to draw from. Doesn't the Bible say that there will come a day that the sowers will reap in a place that, that uh, excuse me, that, the, that you will reap in a place that you have not sown? There are prayers that have been prayed in this house that we still have not seen the fulfillment of. What about all the people that have come before us? Well, I remember sitting in the office just down here at the bottom of the hill and, and Megan and Miss Tawana were going through all the old letters from almost 100 years ago of the trials and the tribulations that this church had gone through. And it's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, prayer after prayer, calling this place a place of revival, calling this place a place where broken people come to be healed. Like it's been a part of our identity before we even knew it was part of our identity. Here we are thinking that we're the first ones. Well, we're a place that's going to restore burnt stones. Guess what? Before we even came up with that phrase, they were praying that in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. This is a place of supernatural history. And when you know that you have equity to draw from, then it puts more responsibility on you. What are you doing with what has been given to you? See, I know the stories. I love it. I, I, I remember frequently laying in the back of the van and watching streetlights go by as I, I would listen after revivals, my, my dad and my uncles just talking about the miracles that they would experience on the fields of Africa and watching literally crippled raised, watching literal dead be raised back to life, watching and experiencing all these things. So when it came time, when I went into ministry with me and my cousins and I sat across from a lady up in Shepherdsville, Kentucky at a spirit-filled United Methodist Church, she was wearing sunglasses. I told this to the youth uh, a few weeks ago. She was wearing sunglasses inside of uh, uh, Sunday school. 
And she started crying uh, whenever we were doing a prayer request. And she said, I've had a brain tumor for three years and my migraines are so intense that I cannot even stand the TV to be on because the light, is, it, it hurts that bad. And she said, this is the number one symptom of having my brain tumor. And me, because I know my history, I said, lady, can you just stretch your hand across this little white plastic table? And I prayed a 30-second prayer, and she starts crying all over again. And I thought that I squeezed her hand too hard, but she takes off her sunglasses. She said, this is the first time in three years that, I can st- that, that my headache is gone. I'm 25, I'm 26 at the time. I'm praying for people watching them get healed. I'm actually praying for blind and watching eyes open. I'm praying for deaf people and experiencing their ears pop open. Watching them speak for the very first time and they're 18, 19 years old because I know where my roots are. I know what my roots are tapped into. One of the things that keeps our roots good and strong and firm is a word that we do not like in this present age, and it's called faithfulness. One thing that will disrupt your root system and stunt your growth is unfaithfulness. I remember, um, sorry, I was looking for my blonde-headed wife. Yeah, there we go. We're hair twins. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm married. One of the perks of being a married to a hairdresser, or I, I don't know if it's a perk, it, it, it's something. But <laughs> for, for <laughs> hey, I haven't had to pay for a haircut in 19 years. So <laughs> I am her guinea pig, and so for 19 years, I have not had a say over this. Uh, so <laughs> but. <laughs> So me and Deanne, we've been, uh, we just celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary in June. And <laughs> 17 years. And um, so we got married, we got married young. Uh, I was barely 21. She was still 19. And we bought a house in Portland. And um, she uh, bought this beautiful little home and so we get to start decorating and doing different little things. And I have such fond memories of that place. Uh, uh, our first night in the house, uh, we didn't have any blinds or, or curtains. So we, we, hung up, uh, we hung up bed sheets over the living room windows and spent the night on the floor in front of the fireplace. So it was cool, yeah. I, I couldn't do it now because I wouldn't be able to get off the floor. But <laughs> when, when you're 21, you take those things for granted. But... So in the front of the house, we had these little tiny little shrubs, box shrubs, and, um, you know, Deanne's in, in designer decorator mode, and she wants to do this, that, and the other, and paint the front door, you know, Tiffany blue, and we're going to do this to the bedroom, and that to the living room, and hang up this, that, and she looks at the shrubs, she goes, those shrubs are too far back. I'm like, what do you mean the shrubs are too far back? They're in the flower bed, like they're in the middle, they, they, they are where they need to be. She says, no, honey, would you please... Do you think you can move these shrubs maybe about a foot closer to the curb? And I'm scratching. I'm like, why? They are perfectly, they're shrubs. They're shrubs. It's fine. Well, uh, wisdom prevails, and I end up digging these three shrubs, four shrubs up, and moving them a foot forward. (laughs) 
still scratching my head over why. But for probably, no joke, about four or five years, they didn't grow not one inch. Not even the slightest. Because I had upset the root system by digging them up and moving them just a little bit forward. It stunted their growth. See, here's, here's something really, really interesting. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. Paul says this, he says, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. For in Jesus Christ, I have begotten you through the gospel. Um, probably, I, I've got all these memories popping up on, Insta, on Facebook of roughly about five years ago. Five, seven years ago, um, I, I competed in some, uh, not really bodybuilding, but bodybuilding-esque type stuff. And so what I had to do is I had to get a coach. And my coach would write out my diet for me. My coach would write out my, um, my workouts. You know, he'd write out my supplementation. He would write out everything. He even wrote down to 24 almonds at lunchtime, no more, no less. And so I literally, you would watch me count out raw almonds, 24. And I'd be dying for that 25th, but coach said no, so no. And what a lot of us newbie, first-time competitors would do is, uh, for me, one of my competitions was 12, a 12-week 12 preparation. The other one was a 20-week preparation. And sometimes you're doing things and you're not, it's like you've done four sit-ups and you're like, where are my abs? Oh my gosh, they're not here. After four sit-ups or 30 minutes on the elliptical, first time. And so you start questioning your coach because you're not seeing the results that you want to see when you want to see it. Many of you guys hire builders or carpenters to do things to your house, and midway through the process, they're busy still putting up the structure, or they're halfway through the project, and it doesn't look like what you think it should look like. You're not a carpenter. You've, you, you barely know how to hold a hammer, but you know how to tell this fella how to do the work. And so what you do is you start questioning other people. Hey, what, what, what do you think? Or you go to Dr. Google over here and, and, and DIY TV or, or you know, and, and you start diagnosing things on your own and listening to other opinions. And usually what happens is if it's your coach, if you're asking several different people, well, what should I do to make these appear more? What should I do? Everybody, there, there's a thousand different ways to skin a cat, so to speak. And you start listening to this guy, you start listening to that girl, you start taking advice from over here, and it messes up your entire process. And before you know it, you've, met, you, you've ruined 12, 20 weeks worth of work, or you've upset the contractor, now he's walked, and now you're left with a mess because you knew better. See, this is what Paul is talking about. He says, it's fine to have coaches. You know, it, it's fine to have an offensive lineman coach. It's fine to have, you know, your defensive coach. It's fine to have all of those, but you have one head coach. Head coach's word trumps everybody else's. It's fine to listen to this preacher on TV say this, and it's good to take quotes, and it's good to take advice from this person and that person, but what does your spiritual father have to say? See, here's the problem. Many of us, we're running around trying to forge new paths, but you're, we're like a bunch of orphans because we have not submitted ourselves to anybody. 
One lady, she quoted it. Uh, her name is Ghani Mosbach. She's connected uh, with the family overseas. She said this. She said, real submission isn't submission until you disagree with it. Let that sink in. It's not really true submission until you disagree with it. And so many of us, we don't like the results in the middle of what we're doing, but we're trying to forge our own new path. We're trying to come up with the newest revelation. We're trying to come up with the newest this, that, and the other. But what is your, what, will you be faithful to the word of your spiritual father even when you disagree with it? That is one thing that can either stunt your growth or kill it altogether. And then, I've been hearing this a lot lately. Actually, I've been hearing it ever since I was a little kid. We've got to go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. Anybody ever get tired of hearing go deeper? The thing is, we all want to go deeper. It's a desire deep down inside of us, but we don't know how to get there. Because we're not taking instruction from anybody. We don't have a spiritual father. We don't have a spiritual mother that will show us how to get to where we want to go. We're trying to forge these paths all on our own under the, 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 the spirit of independence. Really, it's a spirit of rebellion. And the word of God says in the Old Testament that the spirit of rebellion is the same as the spirit of witchcraft. I will not go any further than that, but sometimes it seems as though we've got a lot of witches and warlocks sitting in the pews at church because we're a rebellious people. And then we wonder why we are cursed in our home. We wonder why our job is cursed. We wonder why that there is turmoil everywhere that we go. It is because we are involved in witchcraft and you don't even know it. I didn't mean to go there. That's not in my notes. But we want to go deeper. We don't know how to get there. It's like trying to go somewhere. I remember my and Deanne's honeymoon. It, it's so interesting the different parallels that, that I, I have and that we can relate to. We went to Florida and we had to use the big old Rand McNally. You remember that? Oh my gosh, that thing was a challenge. Wow. It's like trying to get there without the map. You just, well, I'm just going to trust my sense of direction. It's gotten me in trouble a couple of times. And so I want to challenge you, partner yourself. Find a spiritual mother. Find a spiritual father that you're not going to divorce after a month because they tell you something that you don't like. But find somebody that you will commit yourself to. And that you will trust them. Now, again, there's a very, very tough screening process for this because you're trusting them with a lot. But learn to be faithful. Learn to be faithful. You know, because, because of this, you know, constantly trying to find new revelation and, and forge new paths and, and, and be the latest and greatest this and that, that can grow tiresome. And sometimes... What the Lord has put on my heart is sometimes we just have to go back to old wells. Sometimes when you're dry, sometimes after you've been digging and running and you grow tired, it's not necessarily about the latest revelation. Maybe sometimes we just have to go back to basics. Go back to different places where you know that you met the Lord. 
You know, I was telling Pastor Clay, we were walking around in Lowe's and I was talking about this. I was like, you know, this past week, you know, I've been a little bit dry. So what have I been doing? One place that I know that I know that I have history with God is I broke out. Well, I don't have tapes or CDs anymore. So I, I searched it up on my iTunes music is old vineyard music. I put on some old vineyard worship. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. You remember that? I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. And I've been going back to those and just, I know that's where I, I've met God before in my past. And I have these pillars. I have these pillars that, that my father and my mother have shown me where there are wells of refreshing in the past. One of those things is, is we would have family prayer time. I used to hate, hate family prayer time. I'm the youngest in my family, and there are six of us. I have two older brothers and older sister, and then there's my parents. There's six of us. And I remember my father calling for pr family prayer meetings. And we'd have to get in the living room and get down on our knees. And we had to each pray individually, starting from the youngest, that being me. And I'm like, Jesus, I don't know what to pray about. God, but, you know, and just, I just pour my heart out. And then it'd be Craig next. And then it'd be Warren. And then it'd be Olivia. And then my mother. And then my father. And we would pray together. And I know that there's one place that I met God. I know there's a well of refreshing there. Because my parents taught me where there's a well of refreshing. Me and my cousins created a well of refreshing. And at 16 years old, we went down to the Brownsville Revival and we got rocked. And we came back with little highlights in our hair and we broke out some Brownsville Revival worship tapes. And we take it to one of the back bedrooms in my parents' house and we would put it on while Lyndall Cooley was singing. And we would pray and worship literally for hours. We dug a well there. So these are some of the wells that I know that when I'm dry, I can go back there and there's refreshing. Where are your wells? Do you have a history with God? Have you set up markers in your life that you know when I'm dry, I can go here and I can meet God? Some of my other wells are old books that I go to. Good Morning Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. I don't care what you think about the fellow, read the book and that is a well of refreshing. Another book, if you want to get deep into the wells of prayer, break out Leonard Ravenhill's Why Revival Tarries. It'll push you to, to, to a well of prayer. And so I'm asking you, do you have wells of refreshing in your life that when you are dry, you can tap back in? The word says here in Isaiah 61 that you will be like oaks of righteousness planted by rivers of living water. Do you know where your wells are? Because of these wells, I know how to tap into them. My cousin Brandon, about a year and a half ago, he was working on the job site and he was making a little fire and he caught on fire and it burned him pretty good. And he was rushed to the hospital and we all ran to meet out there and pray over him. And as I went into the back room, he was covered up in bandages. And he was really worried about, you know, how his face is going to be after he heals up. And I remember the Lord speaking a word inside my spirit. He said, Brandon's fresh is gonna, flesh is going to grow back faster than the doctors have ever seen it grow before. Faster than they've ever seen human flesh grow before. Three weeks later... 
When Brandon was at home, he went in for a checkup. The doctor's words verbatim was, we've never seen human flesh grow this fast in our lives before. In 1985, see, no, it's, it's, it's not by coincidence that I prayed that. It's not coincidence that the doctors confirmed that. In 1984, 1985, my father was blown up in a propane gas explosion. When he describes it, I've got pictures of it, but he had a watch with a plastic band on it that melted into his wrist. His shirt melted into his body. His tie melted into his chest. He, was, he had third, second and third degrees over 80% of his body. He had an encounter with God in the hospital, and the doctors said, George McGregor, we have never seen human flesh grow this fast in all of our lives. I'm telling you, it's a well of the supernatural that I know I can go back to. You have wells of supernatural breakthrough for marriages in this house. And so when you're going through a mess, you have the, you have the authority to tap back in and proclaim healing over your marriage in the name of Jesus. When your kids are just absolutely going nuts, there is equity in this house of breakthrough, of family breakthrough uh, from generation to generation to generation, and you have the authority to tap into that equity. There's equity in this house for physical healing, for spiritual healing, for emotional healing. There is equity in this house for revival, for city transformation. There is equity in this house. And so I want to challenge us to remember your roots. Your roots matter. Your roots matter. We're not called to be, I apologize for the cliche, but we are not called to be a bunch of Bradford pears that look good one minute, but if you get too close to it and sneeze too hard, it breaks and falls over. A.W. Tozer would call that kind of Christian a flash in the pan excited and bright and getting everybody's attention one moment, you blink and it's gone. And it's been more of an irritation and a nuisance to the community around it than anything else. God has called us to be solid. God has called us to be faithful. God has called us to be deep and rooted and grounded. And when you are rooted and when you are grounded, things like the leaves that come off of you are for the healing of nations. That begins to happen. When you are rooted and you're grounded, when you're like a tree, when you're like an oak planted by rivers of living water, the word says that you become refreshing to everyone around you. So this is my prayer for us, for me, for us as a church, Three Oaks, is that we will tap into Isaiah chapter 61 identity and be, according to Romans chapter 8, the sons and the daughters of God that he has called us to be because Gallatin needs it. Gallatin needs us to realize who we are. Hendersonville needs us to realize, White House, Portland, Lebanon, even greater Nashville, this region needs us to realize that we have been called to set captives free. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. I've spoken your word according to how I've heard you speak to me. And I ask, Heavenly Father, God, in the name of Jesus, that these words, that they don't just fall to the ground, but they will penetrate and they'll go down deep, Holy Spirit. 
Lord, I ask if there be anybody in the house even, Lord, that is needing a touch from you, that you would reach down deep and begin to do surgery in a way, Father God, that no man can do. Lord, that you can accomplish in a moment what we've been struggling with for 20 years, for 30 years. Lord, I thank you that you're healing traumas and scars, Lord, that they even forgot was there, things from 40 years ago, grudges that have been held. Lord, that you are bringing to remembrance people that need to be forgiven that are long dead and gone. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would, that you would cause us to be like oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, by streams, by rivers of living water. In Jesus' name. Can I ask that we just stand together as a family? Prayer team, if pastors, if you're available, join us in the front. First order of business, if you're in the house, this is also a house where salvation runs deep into our roots. And all heads bowed and eyes closed, and you say, all of this sounds like a wonderful fantasy. But that's just what it is to me because first, I don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I need to make things right. And I want to do it this morning. I commit myself fresh and anew this morning. Can I ask, can I just see your hands? Will you just raise your hands really quick? I see it. Thank you. You can put your hand down. And let's just pray this together as a family. Dear Father God, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I believe that Jesus died for me, was buried for me, but best of all, that he got up for me. And I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen.